This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The only reason why you play in this competition is because you want to win it. Um, but we are not silly. Uh, we know that so far this is not a season which looks like um, that we will, in the, will win the Champions League in the end. But that doesn't mean that we don't want to come as far as possible and then we will see what is possible for us. But now we have, we have to wait for the draw. Um, there, there will be... Uh, <laughs> extremely tough games for whoever we get and um, so yeah no we don't really we don't really think that far we don't have to um, we think uh, about obviously from tomorrow on about Wolves um, and then I don't even know when the draw is to be honest um, but probably well, next week the others play on the next week so we have to wait a little bit no problem um, and then we will know and we'll that and we'll see how far we can go. On the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Jurgen Klopp insisting that uh, Liverpool are not yet thinking about winning the Champions League, but it certainly is a route into next year's competition. And yes, Jurgen Klopp does sound a little bit more cheerful these days, certainly after midweek. It's me, Ross. This is On the Ball, along with my very special guests. As usual, Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Uh, Des Corkill joins us from a TV studio somewhere. Hello, Des. Round of applause for VAR. Round of applause for VAR. <laughs> Can you hear the sarcasm cutting through the radio airwaves? <laughs> Joining us, Fox Sports Asia pundit, uh, Reese Roshan Rai. Roshan, hello. Hi, Ross. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to the chat. Thank you so much for joining us. And you, you look awfully dapper for radio. I must say, <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can tweet us, you can find us all individually on Twitter. You can also tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we have a video channel up on YouTube called TFIF on Video, where we look at the other European leagues. Check it out. All right, then. We heard Klopp at the start. Liverpool 2, Leipzig 0. Liverpool win 4 0 on aggregate. Uh, we saw Fabinho returning into his number six position, uh, which made Jürgen Klopp saying he's one of the best in the world at number six, Bob Holmes. Uh, why this didn't happen sooner, you're going to try and tell us now. Uh, yes, well, there are very good reasons for it uh, not happening sooner. Uh, when the catastrophe, double cat- catastrophe happened for Liverpool centre-backs, Gomez and Van Dijk being out for the season, uh, Fabinho was the obvious guy to put there. Um, I mean, he's tall, he can tackle, he can head a ball. He's a Brazilian international, vastly experienced. And when you're looking at the alternatives of young Reese Williams, with no disrespect, um, you would plump for Fabinho every time. And I would just like to remind people that the two guys who are hailed as heroes, deservedly so, in midweek, Kabak and Phillips, neither of, neither of them were available to Klopp in, uh, la- uh, last year in the first half of the um, Champions League registration um, because uh, Phillips had not even been registered in the squad and Kabak had not even been signed. So there were very good reasons for putting Fabinho back there. And he did well. And Liverpool were top of the league on Boxing Day. And it looked as if they were coping with this crisis. It's all gone pear-shaped this year. In January, it started to go wrong. 
And it's very easy to be wise after the event. But I think now, after that game, yes, I think Fabinho is invaluable in midfield. And we saw the difference it made to the, to the front three and also Thiago Alcantara, who yeah. seemed a different player. Yeah. So on balance, yes, but don't, don't knock Klopp for, for making a mistake doing it and uh, not doing it earlier. No, no, no. I would not Klopp ever. Ever <laughs> sticking, um, just uh, sticking to what Bob said about the front three there, Roshan. Um, Diego Jota returning seems big for Liverpool. He's allowed Sane uh, and Salah uh, and Mane, Sane, <laughs> Salah and Mane, a uh, bit more freedom. You, you can see they looked a bit happier up front as well, didn't they? Yeah, I think they wouldn't mind taking Sani as well uh, at this point. <laughs> just to help out with the front three and just to help out in, on the goal-scoring front. But yeah, it looked really good. I mean, uh, Jota obviously gives you, again, something a little bit different than what uh, Firmino does. Uh, there's been talk recently about how Firmino's numbers, statistically, they're not, they've not been that great. He's dropping off a little bit. He looks a little bit fatigued. So perhaps, you know, his, his little injury will give him a nice bit of a break, allows Jota to come in. Uh, and get him some match fitness and some match sharpness as well. But just the, the combination play in those forward areas was really good. I think Liverpool overall looked very well balanced. You mentioned yeah. Fabinho in that, uh, in that number six role. That's his best position. Absolutely agree. I don't think anyone can, can argue against that. Um, and Phillips and, and Kabak giving them that platform, that back four giving them that platform to go on and do their thing. Thiago also looked so much better yeah. uh, with Fabinho alongside him. You know, he, he's not the kind of player, Thiago, that is going to be the, the, the person who's running around harrying opposition central midfielders in those deeper positions. And then also you expect him to sort of run the game uh, with the passing. So he's not, going to be, he's not going to be able to do all that. It's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. So it's good that Fabinho was alongside him. Wijnaldum is perhaps one of the most underrated players in recent history. Um, just the way he fills his role in that Liverpool midfield, he never loses the ball. He rarely loses the ball. He's always smart with how he uses it. Okay, his goal-scoring numbers, his assist numbers, unspectacular. But he just fits in with the tactical plan that Jurgen Klopp's going on for them. And in that front three, of course, I mean, it helps that um, not Salah, not just Salah because he's been in fantastic goal-scoring form, uh, but it helps that Mane has got his name on the score sheet once again yeah. because he has looked a little bit like he's lacking a bit of confidence in front of goal as well. Yeah, when he when he looks not in the mood and looks sad, he, he just he, he's off his game. Um all right, Des, I'm not going to let you talk about Liverpool. We're going to move on. Talk about uh, Man United won, AC Milan won in the Europa League. It was a throwback. In fact, this was a bigger game. This should be a Champions League game. And Man United were like 90 seconds from recording a first leg victory. But that's just typical Man United this year, isn't it? Uh, ooh, I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, what, what I do want to comment is... is um, the Anglo-centric bias of broadcasters. So Dean Henderson is perceived to have dropped a howler. And we'll talk about the Arsenal game in a little while where, where the goalkeeper has, let, um, has got a touch to two and they're both perceived to be brilliant goals for Arsenal. So I think, A, it's a little bit harsh on Dean Henderson for all the back pages to be uh, really ribbing him. It's uh, a routine corner that uh, isn't defended well by United. If somebody gets the first header in from six yards out, it's difficult for the goalkeeper to react. Could he have done better? Possibly. Uh, is he world-class? I've said this before about him. No, he probably isn't. But my, my other issue on this game is the Cassier goal disallowed. VAR intervening where VAR shouldn't intervene. Um, <laughs> uh, clear and obvious error? No, no. Is it possibly handball? Yes. Does it brush his arm? Probably. 
does it, it, it is this what VAR was really brought in to do? If the answer is yes, then VAR is 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 perfect. But it, to me, it just ruins the game. It ruins the flow. A brilliant piece of skill. A brilliant goal uh, disallowed for the, the 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 technically a correct decision, but stopping the game and and, and making a nonsense of what the, the game is all about. So uh, so United have got it all to do in AC Milan, who are a decent side, even without being uh, second in the league. They'd uh, possibly possibly qualify through the new coefficients that are being planned for the Champions League. So um so so many 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 issues emerging from that game yesterday and uh, still plenty to play for in the second leg. Yeah. E- e- bro- can e- can e- I e- just come in there, uh, Ross? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to criticise Des here for not being harsh enough on VAR. This may be a world first, but he said technically it was possibly a penalty. It wasn't, you know, because it wasn't a clear and obvious error. Those were the guidelines in which VAR was introduced, clear and obvious errors, and nobody appealed. Did you see any hands go yeah, up for, yeah, for that? Yeah. No. Well, it was what? accepted by all 22 players that that was a goal, a perfectly good goal. And then we had to wait three or four minutes for the usual palaver. Totally unnecessary. And in the end, it's not conclusive that he did handle it. I don't think he did. Commentators I was watching said he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, um, now we look at handballs different ways. We go, oh, before VAR, that was never handball, but that's a VAR handball. Nailed on VAR handball. <laughs> uh, okay. not even nailed on. Bob's dead right. I yeah, do I know. Bob. I should really lay, lay into that piece of garbage. <laughs> you're, too, you're too soft on it, uh, Des. Absolutely, I apologize. It's okay, Des. We've got 10 more weeks to go, so ease into it, Yeah. Yeah, second leg for Man United uh, will be a lot more difficult. Um, Ibrahimovic expected to return as well. Um, All right, Arsenal had a 3-1 win away at Olympiakos. Um, Mikel Arteta and Arsenal this year, Ocean. What what, what do you think? I mean, league position-wise, they're not great, not where they want to be. Will they take this competition seriously as a route into Europe? Should they just forego league, you reckon? I think they'll regard themselves as too big to just focus on one tournament over the other. But they do have to take Europa League seriously. I mean, it's a, it's a route to, towards the trophy, it's a route into the uh, Champions League for next se- season. And it's absolutely huge, the fact that they're falling away in the league a little bit as well, uh, as you mentioned. So yeah, they do have to take it seriously. It was a good performance overall. Um, they only really let Olympiacos in with a couple of mistakes. I would say trying to play out from the back, which isn't, necessarily an issue it's the decision making of the players in those situations yeah. and the choices that they make in those areas that that causes the issue uh, on the other side of it you got to say credit to olympiacos for having that game plan of pressing in those right areas um and timing the movement in terms of the pressing winning the ball in the right situations and trying to punish arsenal in those areas they could have scored more than just the one goal uh, from those pressing situations they didn't uh, and arsenal had a couple of great goals from from range that they scored from range i mean Erdegaard. Uh, with an absolute rocket uh, from distance. Critics might say it went right over, straight over the goalkeeper. There was a bit of, a bit of swerve um, over the goalie. I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt because that, that shot was hit with plenty of power. Um, and it, it, if, if, if I see Des raising his, his hands here at me. Two hands, um, two hands. Yeah. Not that. It's, a, it's, a sandwich, <laughs> it's, the, 
it's the same with Dean Henderson then, Des. He should have saved that 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 uh, that attempt at the corner against uh, against AC Milan's poor goalkeeping. If we're gonna go, then we've got to be uh, we've got to be consistent with our criticism. Absolutely, absolutely. Harsh and goalies, these pundits, I tell you. Um, good win for Arsenal, all the same. Uh, they are more than through well, second leg to be played next week. So we, we will see. It is Arsenal, after all. Uh, Tottenham 2, Dinamo Zagreb 0. Or should I say Harry Kane 2, Dinamo Zagreb 0. Bob Holmes. Um, seven changes from Jose in the side. But most notably, he kept Harry Kane up front. And, and that's all you need to do, really. Yes, what a player he is, eh? Um, I mean, it wasn't the great his greatest game ever, but I think he demonstrated his absolute world class. The um, the goal, the second goal, I think it was the um, the ball he put through for uh, that started it all off was a perfect through ball from a number ten, a deep lying number ten. Just he was only just inside the opponent's half, and then. He ends up, after Lamella gets hold of it, he ends up poking it home from inside the six-yard box. So in that one instance, he, he was worth two players. He was the classic number 10 and the classic number nine, all in one. And that's Harry Kane. And I think he's, although he hasn't probably been totally fit this season, all, all through the season, he's actually developed. And I think this slightly deeper role and this Playing number 10, <laughs> this is only momentarily, mind, you know, and then he, he morphs into a classic centre forward a second later. I think what an asset that is to Spurs. And you're right. It was Harry Kane to uh, Zagreb nil. <laughs> he has, he's got 26 goals in all competitions this season, Harry Kane. He, uh, that surpasses his previous two seasons of 24 goals. Does he need to leave Tottenham? To, to be talked to, to about in, you know, different circles. I, I see Roshan nodding here for, 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 for radio, but I'm going to come to you, Des. Well, you know my thoughts on this. I, I think... Um, no, I'm talking, about per, I'm talking about personal development here. Harry okay, Kane... If, yeah? if, right. if you're that good, then you, 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 you stay with your team. Now, let's not forget uh, he's got Mourinho behind him, who's a serial winner. They've got a League Cup final coming. They've got the, um, uh, they're, they're doing well in the Champions League. They've gone through their six weeks to two-month sticky spell. Um, I, it drives me insane that Tottenham aren't perceived to be a top club. You've got to go to... You've, you've got to move. The guys have got to move. They don't. If he's that good, he really should be able to drive Tottenham to become that good. Let's not forget Tottenham were Champions League finalists just uh, a couple of years ago. So they do have that huge, huge potential... Why not be the leader of that rather than uh, another multi-million dollar expendable item at Manchester City or Barcelona or Real Madrid? Make Tottenham great. I know it's unfashionable, um, but I, I would imagine that if Harry Kane and Jose Mourinho can stick together, Tottenham can do pretty good things. And they're not up the Champions League um, uh, qualification race in England because there's so many teams congested there. And they could win two trophies this year. Why would you leave? He's, he's on well-paid money. Why would you really leave? I, I bet Harry's told this, Mrs. Right, end of the season. If we ain't won anything, I'm off. Um, and speaking of which, we are off for our first break. You stick around. Back right after this. 
has come up with uh, something beyond ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, Reese Roshan Rai. Uh, looking forward to the weekend's EPL action. There is a Friday night game, which we won't talk about because it's going to be nil-nil between Newcastle and Aston Villa. Uh, so we'll talk about the early Saturday kickoff first. Leeds United in 11th take on 4th place Chelsea. Leeds, Bob Holmes, looking to end a run of four defeats. Uh, in five, um, they've been good fun to watch. We, we always say that when we preview Leeds, but results haven't been great of late. Uh, goals have dried up as well. Yes. Um, I think this is uh, to be expected of a promoted team. I think they've uh, exceeded expectations generally this season. Uh, certainly in terms of entertainment value, no one quite saw this coming. Um, but on form, there's only one winner here, isn't there? Uh, Chelsea, un- still undefeated under Thomas Tuchel, looking very, very solid at the back. And uh, Leeds looking, well, like Leeds, um, it's very hard to sum them up. They, they can be great attacking. Uh, they can keep clean sheets, although not too many. Um, hard one to predict, but I think if you're going on form, you'd have to go with Chelsea. and But Leeds, if anybody can break this um, uh, run of two calls, he's going to lose some time and uh, put the brakes on Chelsea, it's Leeds. I mean, you can see them. They're, they're so unpredictable. Exactly. I mean, at their best, at their best, they look, uh, you know, they look top four material, don't they? At their worst, they look relegation candidates. And you never know from one week to the next, or even on who he's picking. It's not all down to what side he he sends out there or injuries. Sometimes they produce a great performance when they're racked by injuries. But uh, Bamford's goals have dried up a bit. I think that's a factor. Yeah. Uh, But uh, you could see Leeds winning this, actually. You know, (laughs) you, you, you could. Although, as I say, all the portents, all the signs are that Tuchel's got a well-oiled machine at Chelsea and they're going, they're definitely going to get a top uh, four place at the end of the season. All right. Well, Thomas Tuchel's well-oiled Chelsea machine are currently on an 11-match unbeaten run. We saw Kai Havertz come good last time out. He's slowly getting the best out of his players here, Roshan. But um, Christian Pulisic, interestingly, has only mustered up 45 minutes playtime since Tuchel joined. So, look, it's, it's, it's crazy, I think, that a manager has got to come out and, uh, and apologise <laughs> um, publicly for not playing a player. I mean, if he doesn't feel like, you know, he's part of his plans at the moment, he yeah. doesn't really need to say much about it. I think he's just trying to keep up that man management aspect going, trying to keep uh, Pulisic uh, motivated uh, to keep going in training. But he doesn't quite fit in, I guess, with uh, what he's looking at at the moment. I think there's a bit of an adjustment for, for Pulisic to, to go through with what uh, with Thomas Tuchel wants out of his side. It could possibly come. Uh, but right now, there are players who are performing slightly better than he is at the moment. And look, I mean, you can't argue with Tuchel, can you? I mean, Pulisic can't exactly go into Tuchel's office and say anything, really. Because as you mentioned, they're on an 11-match unbeaten run. Uh, what's he going to say? You know, people are playing well. The formula is working. The players who are coming in, when they are uh, rotating players, are performing 
for them, aside from perhaps uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Uh, but look, generally, it's going really well for Chelsea. And, and for Tuchel, he doesn't see a need at the moment to sort of change it too much or, or take too much of a risk. Because let's remember where they were when Lampard left, where they are now, potentially moving into, into third in the Premier League. It's all going really well for Tuchel at the moment. Yeah, a win for Chelsea would move them above Leicester City. Well, at least temporarily. Um, are, are you with Bob and Roshan Des? Do you think Chelsea are nailed on top four this season? Yeah, I think they're nailed on their second place this season. I think they can catch up with what's going on because we have a real Teutonic efficiency now. Uh, they always had good players uh, under Frank Lampard that uh, you never really thought that he knew what he was trying to achieve. With Tuchel, you can see exactly what he's trying to believe. I, I, I remember uh, I, was, I was a little bit critical of his first um, selection because it seemed like he was just putting all the old guys back yeah. in and uh, dropping the young players. But since then, he's been able to mix and match Pulisic apart. He's involved just about everybody. They look really strong defensively, which um, was always going to be a good thing for, for Chelsea. And I think they are the second best team um, in, in Britain at the moment. Um, sorry, in England at the moment. Um, uh, simply because you don't think they're going to concede goals. Uh, Leeds would be fun. I tell you what, for people of my generation, to actually like Leeds and to think <laughs> that Chelsea are likeable as well, it's so strange. These were two of the big hater, hate people in the, in the 70s. But, um, yeah, Des uh, harking no, back to to the 70s. Both are quite likeable. Both are quite likeable. But uh, Chelsea to, to win this one and keep another clean sheet. For the new breed of football fans, both Leeds and Chelsea look really attractive propositions. They play really, really good football. <laughs> <laughs> That's your... I know, I know. It's your early kickoff on Saturday, then Leeds in 11th, Chelsea in 4th, Saturday 8.30pm. Everton in 6th against Burnley in 15th is Sunday at half past one. Everton saw a three-game uh, winning streak come to an end. 2-0 uh, defeat at Chelsea. Efficient Chelsea last time out, uh, Bob Holmes. Um, Ancelotti's been toying with three at the back, four at the back, mixed results. I mean, he's had wins and losses for both. Um, I don't know, you, you, do, do we think... It's going a little bit flat now, the Everton bubble? Um, no. Um, I think they're about where they expect it to be or where they hope to be. Uh, they've touched the top four, as he put it. Um, there's still a great deal of optimism around the club. They've got planning permission for their new stadium. It's worth a mention because it's going to surpass Anfield um, in, Which also uh, belongs to Everton, or used to. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's important to note these things because the general mood of the club is now positive after so many years. of. And Ancelotti of wants to pretty. lead them to the new stadium as well, doesn't he? Yes. I mean, there's all that, you see, all that. And uh, they, I think they do, they're doing okay. Uh, they, I mean, they lost to Chelsea. We've just been extolling Chelsea's yeah. virtues um, there's no, no great shame in, in losing 2-0 to Chelsea, is there? Um, he's still finding out his best 11, certainly best defence. He's had a few injuries. Um, and uh, this is what you get with a team sixth or seventh in the league. I think they'll be very happy to get into Europe. I think that um, they haven't enjoyed much luck in the Europa League from previous experiences. 
Um, and I think they've got a point to prove there. They don't expect to be Champions League material yet, but they're slowly building. And everybody's behind the project now, behind Ancelotti. And you can expect some uh, pretty uh, judicious signings, I think, yeah. in the summer. Uh, if they're anything like last last year's, they'll be good. And they'll take Everton a step up. Um, this is the kind of game they can't afford to lose, though. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Burnley, Burnley at home... I mean, this really, if you're going to have a, these lofty ambitions, you've got to beat Burnley at home. Burnley away is a slightly different proposition, but Burnley <laughs> at home, I'd say it's a must win. Yes, uh, absolutely right. But you can bet your house, your bottom dollar, your mum savings, everything on the fact that Sean Dyche will take his Burnley squad rotation up to Merseyside, yep. he'll make it really, really difficult. He'll make it really tight, really dour, and hope to nick something on the break. Well, it's a standard, isn't it? It's what we all <laughs> have come to expect from this Burnley side. And I mean, fair play to them. You, you yeah. play with what you got, you work with, with what you have, and you, he's been able to do a really good job with uh, the players he's got available to him. Uh, and that's the beauty of football. You see different tactical styles coming together. Okay, I understand. Some people out there might not quite enjoy it, might not be the, the best to watch, but it's about, you know, <laughs> it's about asking questions of your opposition and then your opposition having to respond. And uh, what Bob has said about Everton, if they've got top four hopes of playing in Champions League, then these are the sorts of teams that you need to beat. You look at Liverpool and that's where they've dropped points against teams like this, against the likes of Burnley, the likes of uh, Brighton, the likes of Fulham. And that's why they are where they are in the moment uh, in terms of the Premier League table. What would be funny for me, though, is if Everton were to finish in fourth, uh, Liverpool go on and win the Champions League and finish outside the top four, and one of Arsenal <laughs> go on and win the Europa League and then Everton miss out once again. That would be absolutely hilarious. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that at all, to be honest. But uh, yeah, Burnley will make things difficult for Everton. And these are absolutely the sorts of games uh, that Everton have got to go out and win. No excuses. Burnley will make it difficult. But if you want to win the top four, these are the games that you've got to pick up three points in. Well, hilarious. You can substitute the word in really, really sad thing to happen for what Roshan just said. <laughs> Des Corkill, we're going to the break with a prediction. Everton versus Burnley from you. Boring as hell. Uh, a 1-0 <laughs> off, the, off the backside of uh, Ricarlison somewhere. Everton, though, are still celebrating their third championship victory of the season, <laughs> having beaten Liverpool. So they've won the title three times. Uh, maybe they'll start a fourth campaign very soon. Burnley, well, you know my thoughts on Burnley. Burnley are just dire and dreadful and not worth paying for. And therein lies a problem. So, yeah, Everton, (laughs) 1-0. Right, we'll be on the other end of this very short break. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wondering if you'd make a difference. So it beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, and Reese Roshan Rye entertaining you this Friday evening. Looking forward to the weekend's football. As usual, you can tweet us. You can find us all individually on Twitter. Alternatively, tweet at BFM Radio. Also follow us on social media, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And check out our YouTube channel, TFIF on video, where we look at La Liga, Serie A and the Bundesliga. Right, on with our weekend previews. Fulham in 18th against top of the table, Manchester City. 
Scott Parker's men have just lost one in their last seven. Um, I think they, they won one in their first 22. And then, yeah, and, and suddenly, I think they're the third best performing team currently in England on form, Des Corkill. Now, it's a big ask, but hey, if you went to Anfield and you defeated Liverpool 1-0 away, why not take on City one at home? Slightly different proposition, Man City. <laughs> um, I, I was really amused. Uh, I didn't watch the game, but the, the Southampton game, I, I woke up and all the news was about the uh, VAR incident. Pep should, what, VAR should be looking at these things. And I thought, gosh, there's a real upset on the card. Say Southampton have won at Man City and then you... You turn it on and see it's 5-2 to Manchester City. Uh, all the headlines that you do read about the game itself are criticism of the Manchester City defence. Listen, they've won 22 out of their last 23 games and people are saying, uh, the press in the UK are saying, oh, Manchester City, vulnerable, vulnerable. And they go, oh, you, I, I just don't get it. You've got to make headlines. This is, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful team, Manchester City. Uh, uh, they, they are in top gear. And Fulham, for all of their brightness, I just can't see them living with City. Uh, I, I can even at um, Craven Cottage, the, the nearly rebuilt Craven Cottage, I can see Manchester City just skating away because they've got Mares in fabulous form. They've got De Bruyne back almost as a brand new signing, and then they they've got that strong defence with uh, Diaz plus whoever, be it Laporte or whoever. Um, they're, they're just a sensational unit, Manchester City. My only hope is that they peak too early for the Champions League. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Fulham, do you reckon, Bob, they'll write this one off and then go, we've got other games coming up. I think they've got Newcastle. They, they're still, they, you know, more winnable games. But then you don't want to demotivate yourself with a tonking here. No, there's no way they'll write this off. And not, uh, Scott Parker certainly won't be writing it off. Uh, I mean, they went to Anfield and they won. Um, and... Uh, I just wonder, Des, did you watch City against United? Because City didn't look all that great then, did they? And I no, think I, I they, think United um, looked way superior. They they just didn't <laughs> allow City an aberration. The first minute penalty, yes. I, I don't think they recovered from that, did they? But I think they showed... Nailed just... on, VR or not, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I sensed a little vulnerability there. And I don't think... I certainly don't think it's nailed on that City are going to get all four trophies. Um, they've got a certain Jose Mourinho to contend with in the final of the Carabao Cup. And we know how he likes silverware. I think he's already plotting something. He would have taken notes from that last week. And uh, I think, um, I mean, although they did walk the ball into the net against Southampton, who played well, to be fair, Southampton played well the first 25 minutes and certainly didn't go there, you know, uh, hoisting the white flag. They went there to play, but City overcame them. But still, uh, there's no Aguero. And there's supposed to be a little bit of uh, unhappiness there in the camp about about this. Uh, I don't know, um, you know, why he's not being played. He's been brought on occasionally and then not played again for several games. So I don't know what's happening there. I thought Aguero was just going to come back and at the right time to score the goals to take City to glory at the end of the season. But it doesn't look as if it's going to happen. 
And I think I still think he underplays Phil Foden. You often see Foden on the bench at the start of games. Okay, he invariably comes on, but sometimes too late, not to not to sort of win the game. The game's probably already won, but I think he could make a bit more use of him. And De Bruyne, I thought he had a poor game against United. I thought he was very very sloppy. So I mean, they're not. I don't think they're the all-conquering, great, great side quite that Des makes out. I mean, they're going to win the league. No question about that. But as for the other things, I'm not sure. And I think that Fulham can uh, negate them for quite a while and frustrate them. And they might even get a point. Wow. That would be a massive point, especially if you stay up till 4 a.m. on Sunday morning to watch that one. Fulham in 18th against top of the table, Man City. Uh, remember, City are, are having this runaway season without an actual number nine. Uh, so let's move on. Talk about third place, Leicester City against bottom side, Sheffield United. Now, Leicester City have got a uh, Champions League qualification is really a one priority they've seen Europa League go out of the window they've got Manchester United in the FA Cup version coming up next yeah. weekend they don't want to mess things up suddenly in, in two weeks time we could be seeing another Leicester City fade a la last season yeah right yeah I was just going to say it's, it's starting to look it was starting to look a little bit like that I thought it was so important for them to to pick up the three points against Brighton, uh, late goal or not, you know, you take it over the line. And, and I remember talking about this with someone a, a few weeks ago, about how these three games, uh, the first one against Burnley, against Brighton, uh, and then the upcoming one against Sheffield United. Ideally, Leicester, if you're in that position, these three games should be maximum nine points because you're coming up against some strong challenges over the next few weeks or so. And this is where you want to give your top four charge a shot in the arm. They drop points against Burnley. Uh, they almost dropped points against Brighton, but they managed the three points there. And then this one against Sheffield United now. This is must-win again. I talked about Everton and Burnley being must-win for Everton. This is must-win for Leicester uh, if you want to keep up those, those top four hopes. You mentioned that FA Cup game against Manchester United coming up. Uh, look, Brendan Rodgers has done a superb job at Leicester. Uh, we saw them competing for a top four uh, spot last season and then falling away a little bit. We'll see if lessons have been learned this time around. Yeah. They picked up a few injuries to a couple of key players. Uh, but they still managed to sort of see it through, see games out, uh, especially against Brighton there. So we'll see if they can carry that momentum forward in this game against Sheffield United. But yeah, must win three points for, for the Leicester City side. I'm quite excited about what they're doing and I hope they do end up making top four. Uh, because if they do fall away, I think that's, uh, that's on, that's on Rodgers. That's on Rodgers because it would show that perhaps he hasn't quite picked up on his mistakes, hasn't learned from the errors of, of last season. Yeah, the brown envelopes... I wonder what they're going to say at the start of next season. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, uh, Roshan touched on it there, Des. Injuries. They've had some massive injuries. I know we talk about how good Leicester City's squad is, but Harvey Barnes and James Madison out, that's your creative force gone. Yeah, if, if, if you're missing those, then that, that is a problem because uh, they've been actually very entertaining. I'm surprised that they've actually been able to stay this far. I'm, I'm, I'm going against yeah. Rosh on that. I think they've overachieved so far. And if they do fall away, I think it would be natural because um, particularly if they, if, if they get the injuries to uh, those creative players. Barnes, who I wasn't a fan of, and I've been persuaded that he's, he's a very, very good player. Madison seems to, to pull it out, out the bag. Uh, but, um, 
quite quite frequently. Uh, Ross has got it spot on though. Those three games, Burnley, which where they dropped points, Brighton where they weren't uh, great, and then this match against Sheffield United, which everybody everybody must look at Sheffield United and uh, pick up uh, three points. Heck, even um, it was at Southampton one there the other week. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's um, <laughs> that's how how dire things are for Sheffield United. If they don't win this, there could be a wobble. It's not on Rodgers, it's just on natural gravity in the footballing world. Yeah, but the media will be looking at Rodgers. And, and certainly we'll have a soundbite of, of Rodgers on Monday's show to kick it off. <laughs> We're going... And it starts here, we are the media. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So check it out, Leicester City third in their draw against bottom side Sheffield United. That's a Sunday 10pm kickoff. Final break, then we're back with the North London derby. That is next. Lovely football. Speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead, a picture of a goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Bob, Des and Roshan looking at 10th place Arsenal against 7th place Tottenham. Monday, half past midnight, this one kicks off. Um, both looking for a top four spot. If Arsenal win this, then they're, they're not far off Liverpool and they can maybe start to dream a little, Bob Holmes. But um, going into this one, I, I don't know. Tottenham in action. Well, actually both. Arsenal and Tottenham in action in the Europa League Thursday night. Yes, and both got uh, comfortable two-goal victories, didn't they? Um, and no, uh, there's no advantage for either side. Obviously, played at the same time, so there's no um, question of anybody getting a uh, a bonus there in terms of rest. Um, this is has got the makings of a really, really. Uh, good game, I think, because this will tell us a lot about both sides. Having said that, it'll probably be a boring nil-nil draw. (laughs) But uh, I think there will be goals in it. Uh, The way Arsenal continue to pass around the penalty area, it happened again in midweek. I mean, I'm, I'm all for goalkeepers coming out and and attacking and, and, and Edison being the, I think he's the best actually at Man City. I think he's, uh, he's actually good enough just about to play uh, outfield. But may- maybe Leno should I think it's try overdone. It. And I think yeah. Arsenal, Le- well, <laughs> Leno, it wasn't so much Leno. Um, it was a combination, wasn't it, in midweek? Uh, they were just this ticky tacker in their own penalty area. And it's just inviting trouble. And sometimes you can, I mean, if there's opponents being closely marked, why pass to them? Why not just whack it up the field the old fashioned way? Because the the reason that's not done is because there's a 50% chance or slightly more than 50% chance of you losing possession. The chances are the defensive side will, will get the ball first. But if your if your own defenders are also closely marked, the same thing could happen. Or you, worse, you're putting them under pressure. They've got to control the ball. They've got to turn. They've got to decide what to do with it. And there's a man on them straight away. And you're in your own penalty area. And I think this is an overdone tactic. I don't know what the the other guys think about this. They've played a, a much better standard of football than I ever did. But I see I see this happening. And Arsenal are guilty of this time and time again. And David Lewis is the prime 
a prime example of this. And I think that Mourinho will be, will be trying to seize on this um, with Spurs. He will have noticed this. And with uh, the firepower he has, with the Kane, Son, Lucas Moura, Lamella, Bale to choose from, Deli Alley, with all those guys to choose from, I think Arsenal's defence is going to be in for a very interesting afternoon. Yeah, actually, on paper, Roshan, it, it all points to Tottenham. Tottenham have scored four in th- on their, what, three of their last four matches. Um, they rested seven players. Kane played, scored two. Um, it, for me, on paper, Jose's Tottenham. Yeah, suddenly Jose is a, a genius again um, after being finished. <laughs> after being finished a few weeks ago, you know, people were saying he's finished, he's done. Jose is dead. He's killing this Tottenham side. And suddenly Gareth Bale scoring goals. He's found a nice formula for them to work with. They're picking up results. They're scoring goals for fun. Uh, and they're moving up the table and the contention for a top four spot once more. Um, yes, he has changed a couple of things. He has adapted. He has adjusted. But you're absolutely right to point out that Tottenham will be going into this as favourites. Arsenal have had that game against uh, Olympiacos. Um, but look, it's a, it's a derby. And uh, as cliche as, as it is, you know, form out the window. Anybody can, can pick up a win in that one. I mean, it's, it's certainly a case of Arsenal, again, will be trying to stick to their guns in terms of that playing out from the back. And Spurs will look to try and adapt that high press to put Arsenal's defenders under pressure. I don't think uh, they have the players at the moment. Arteta has the players at the moment to consistently play out from the back in those situations. I agree. I think they need to adapt and adjust their game at times. If your spaces are closed off, the reason why you draw a press is to you want the opposition to come out to you and you want spaces in behind. So if the opposition is opening up and pushing on to you, then look for a different ball. Look for a ball into the channels. Yeah. Look for a, a longer ball. And you see Manchester City. I mean, they get spoken about as a, as a possession-based side, as a passing side. But even they vary their game. Even they've got Edison, who's happy to knock it long. And he, because he's got a fantastic goal kick on him. Knock it long in behind, into the spaces in behind the opposition. So I like to see a little bit of tactical variance in, in Arsenal's game. Especially when you look at the fact that it's costing them uh, goals in matches. And it could potentially be costing them results. Yeah, um, uh, Tottenham went, don't forget, Tottenham went to Old Trafford, scored six uh, earlier <laughs> this season, and, and that was before Bale started firing. Um, yeah, if Arsenal, if Arsenal, if the back four does, and the goalkeeper, Leno, don't make a mistake in 90 minutes, they'll be all right. Now, do you think that can happen? Uh, no, probably not. But I'm loving, loving the reversion back to boot it long down the channels. Get the big man into the center. That's real football. Forget this continental garbage we've been having for the last 20 years. I'm surprised you hate Burnley then, Des. Burnley's your <laughs> Good point. Good comeback. No, it, 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 it's, it's lovely to see. My, it, my argument against Burnley, Rosh, is uh, people are paying serious amounts of money. And they're not in the football business anymore. They're in the entertainment business. And that's been my consistent argument about, about Burnley. So Arsenal are terrifically entertaining. They're worth the value for money because anything could happen. You give the ball to Xhaka, he could give it to the chef and um, to a centre forward anytime. David Lewis is wonderful. Plus, he's got great air. So this is wonderful to see for Arsenal. Um, uh, Tottenham are a little bit more pragmatic under Jose. They will press. Um, I can't see Deli Ali getting a start because they'll want to press Arsenal. They'll, they'll, they'll want to cause problems there. And if they can press and then Dombele can, and Sissoko can make it difficult for them with Hoiberg uh, sweeping up behind them, this could be a, a real problem for Arsenal if they do persist playing out, playing out from the back. 
They've conceded two goals from playing out of the back very, very recently. They could have conceded two against Olympiacos. I suppose you're allowed uh, the luxury of conceding maybe three in a season, but they've conceded, what, two in three games? Yeah. Um, and, and if they concede another, then you really must look at the, the whole contention of playing out. Is it worth it? And do they start playing more percentages? Arteta will probably stick with his, um, his mantra, uh, but it could come unstuck. Uh, Tottenham for me on this one because they're because Jose the, the hero is back as as Russian quite rightly said. Tottenham are unbeaten in their last four against Arsenal in the league. Two wins, two draws. Tenth versus seventh is Monday half past midnight. That one kicks off. Um, all right, the late game on Sunday, early Monday morning is actually quite interesting. It's Man United second against West Ham in fifth. David Moyes, Bob Holmes, is walking back into Old Trafford with his head held high. And there will not be a single boo because there won't be any fans present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's, it's, it's good news, isn't it? I mean, uh, he's been back before, but uh, tail a little bit between legs uh, after what happened. It wasn't entirely his fault. Um, but I think he's, he's got that off his back now. And as you rightly say, uh, he's uh, rightly proud of what he's done at West Ham. I mean, if they lost every game from now on, I think he, he would still have had a better season than was expected. And it's the old David Moyes. I mean, he's, he's polishing diamonds and finding good signings at, at relatively low value, uh, relatively low prices. That's what David Moyes did at Everton for a decade and made his name, basically, and impressed Fergie enough to, to succeed him. Um, I mean, you, you look at uh, Suchek, for example. Let's pick out a couple of outstanding members of the side this season. Suchek was in a very, very astute buy. I think they only paid about £20 million for him from the Czech Republic. Uh, what an outstanding player. He has been probably their player of the season, worth, what, three times that now, I should think, on today's market. And the other one, Craig Dawson, who you wondered why on earth he was buying him. West Brom reject, didn't even cut it in the championship last season. But he's one of the best central defenders in the premiership this, uh, this season, and he's even scoring goals. And this is what Davies Moyes can do. And he's molded a team here that is very, very good. And they're going to give United a game. Yeah. Uh, could be very, very interesting. They're physically strong. He, he tends to go for physical power as well as finesse. He certainly got that at West Ham. There are no pushovers. Um, you know, you could, you could see him getting a point here. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And West Brom replaced Dawson with Ivanovic, who's about 60 years old. So you go figure that one out. <laughs> um, what, what, Roshan, what do you make of Solskjaer's United? They're currently second. They're actually on course for their highest place finish since 2017-2018. I think they've, they've convinced themselves that they're not ready for a title challenge. And it's something I've heard from their fans as well. We're not ready. We're not ready. We don't have the squad. You know, we need to sign more players. Gosh, how much money do you want to go out and spend before you're, you're finally ready? I mean, Erling get a great Brout guy. Harlan. You've got to work with... Erling Brout Harlan. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got to work with, you've got to work with what you've got. I mean, that's the a, that's a job of the manager. I mean, you know, the, the thing with United is they've not actually had 
any serious injuries or concerns with injuries this yeah. season, have they? They've pretty much had their full squad. Um, and these are the kinds of games that, again, we talk about being big tests um, against West Ham. United have had issues with breaking sides down who sit back against them. And this is possibly what they're going to face against this West Ham side because David Moyes is quite happy to just say, you know, sit back, make it nice and compact. And then we hit you in those counter-attacking situations. We send crosses into the box. We'll attack you aerially in those spaces. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when crosses start coming in and they've got to defend that Manchester United because defensively, uh, Lindelof, I feel, perhaps has looked a little bit shaky. I'm not quite sure if he'll be, he'll be starting this game. Uh, but aerially, he can be, you know, put under a bit of pressure. Um, so I think, you know, West Ham, Bob is absolutely right. West Ham can cause a few issues for this Manchester United side. But again, if you want to be regarded as, as, as that side that's progressing, as a side that's potentially going to challenge for titles, I think these are the games against West Ham, no matter how well they're performing. Um, we want to see that ambition. We want to see that performance from this Manchester United team that has the ability to sort of do it. Yeah. If United do get goal chances, they don't want it to fall to Harry Maguire. He can actually miss from six inches. It was great defending. <laughs> uh, now, Roshan, yeah, yeah. Roshan mentioned injuries. Actually, United could be without Marcus Rashford, Cavani and Van der Beek this, this weekend. They're all doubts. Right, that's a 3.15 kickoff. That is all your football. That's all the time we have to talk about it anyway. So I'm going to say thanks to the guys now. Thank you to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Des Corkill. Thank you. A reminder, Malaysian football has kicked off as well. All very interesting. Johor, top of the league after two matches. Johor, top of the league? Never. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Reese Russian, right? It's been great fun having you. Thanks for joining us. It's been great, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I, I held back a lot on the, on the VR chat initially. So I hope Des and Bob appreciate that. Just out of respect. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great weekend. Enjoy VAR. I'll speak to you Monday. <laughs> Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. It's Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.